Good morning, and, and thanks for checking in at, at Calamo. Um, you know, I'm super excited to, to continue to try something uh, new while Sandy and I are on vacation. Mm -hmm. um, we're, we're in the second week of a series on, uh, on the life of the Apostle Paul, and no one other than Jesus had such a huge impact on the Christian faith. And we're basing our time, this, this series, on the book by Adam Hamilton, The Call. And, and as you can tell, uh, we're also trying out live streaming, and, and that's definitely new for us. So, you know, be sure and give us a shout out and let, let us know what you think. Um, we're, we're just trying something new. It's, it's kind of cool. So, um, but I do hope and I do pray that you find uh, today's time to be interesting and, and helpful for you in, in your uh, faith journey. And if you'd like more information on this message, uh, you can call or text me at 517-588-8415, or you can always use the Calmo connection card at calmochurch.org forward slash connect dash with dash Calamo. Because this morning is just a quick, uh, just a quick brief summary. It's, it, there's just so much more to be, uh, to be uh, learned about Paul. Um, and you can learn more about Calamo at our website, which is calamochurch.org, um, or on our Facebook page, which you can find at Calamo1953. Now today we're gonna to be covering the second chapter of The Call, which deals with God's call. You know, just as Paul was called to go in service uh, to God, so are we all in our own ways. And so we're kind of touching on some of the highlights of Adam Hamilton's book. Um, Paul's life is a dramatic story about how God's call changed a person's life. You know, when we read the Bible, there's Moses, there's Abraham, and there's Noah, you know. And, and so just like in those cases when Paul, when God called Paul on the road to Damascus, um, there is no real uh, clear roadmap on what Paul was supposed to do. He was called Saul then. Um, he, he was just taken someplace so he could kind of reflect. Uh, when we look at Moses, Moses was a, uh, a sheep herder um, and God said, just said, go talk to Pharaoh. And Moses said, what in the world am I supposed to say? God just, just, just go, right? Um, and then Moses was told to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years until God was ready to take him to the promised land. Again, God's call not very clear. Abraham was a very wealthy man and God told him, okay, take your wife and all your stuff and travel and I'll tell you where to go. Uh, Noah, uh, build a boat. Why? So you can put animals in it. Why? You know, it's, it's like, so anyway, God has this unique message for each one of us. But how do we hear his voice? And then once we hear God's voice, do we actually follow God's call in our lives? You know, at first, Paul, or Saul as he was known then, didn't. Then God knocked to him, basically knocked him to his knees on the road to Damascus and got his attention. I'd like to think of the fact, uh, think of a two by four. You know, God just gives us a whop side to head with a two by four to kind of get our attention. I'm, I'm kind of hard headed, so I can, I can identify with that. But in this, uh, in his book, Adam Hamilton 
you know, makes note that he hears God's voice most often in worship. And then he also points out that Jesus says that when two or more are gathered in his name, <laughs> when two or more are gathered in his name, that there's something special happens. Jesus is there and present with us. Well, God's call is uniquely shaped for each one of us. For Paul, God's call was to go and spread the good news throughout the known world at the time and to build up God's church. <laughs> Allergies are running this morning. So anyway, for Paul, God's call was to go and spread the good news and then build up God's church in all these uh, cities throughout the world. But for most of us, God's call is likely to be very different. You know, perhaps something just as simple as smiling to a stranger in a checkout line at Walmart, or helping somebody pay for groceries or something, or in our case, working at the Calmo food pantry, or volunteering at Siren Shelter, helping our neighbor across the street. Helping others was a central theme for Jesus' life while he was on earth, and indeed, for our own call today. And one point that, that Adam Hamilton makes in his book is that God's call frequently lacks detail. And so I think all of us, you know, they want, we want, you know, one, two, three, give me the, give, give it to me in the black and white, right? One, two, three, four, I want to know exactly what to do and where am I going? You know, I want to know where I'm going. But God expects us to trust him, to just follow his call. And so I'd like you to kind of reflect on a couple of questions that, that are about our own selves. And that is, Adam Hamilton, uh, you know, frequently uh, talks about God's call on us, how it lacks detail, it lacks clarity. It requires us to trust him one step at a time. So how has God called you? And then the second part to that question is, has the lack of detail, has a lack of clarity caused you to hesitate and, and perhaps have doubts? Well, we want to... Paul's conversion happened when he was about, I don't know, 35 years old or so. You know, he spent roughly the next 10 years kind of sorting out his understanding of God, his na the nature of God, and in the nature of Jesus. And, and during that time, you know, he grew in his love for Jesus, and he built up his confidence to respond to God's call. Now, I think all of us, and, I, and I'm in this category, you know, we, we expect things to happen like this. But clearly, things didn't happen like that. Ten years is a fairly long time, right? Um, so that's the amount of time that Paul w was prepared by God and reflected and, and uh, grew. And when Paul was roughly 50 years old, God called him in the person of Barnabas. Barnabas came to Paul, but God called Paul to go. And we, we refer to this as Paul's first missionary journey. It wasn't his first journey, but it was his first big effort to spread the good news and to spread it places where he hadn't been before to, to him, strange and different people, right? Now, it was during this trip that Paul really began to flourish as an apostle of Jesus. In the book of Acts, Luke 
changes from calling, using the phrase Barnabas and Saul, meaning Barnabas was kind of like the leader and Saul was following him, to calling them Paul and Barnabas, indicating that on this trip, Paul grew in stature and in faith and in ability uh, to be the leader over his mentor, Barnabas. And that's also when his, uh, his name changed, or when Luke's changed from calling him Saul to calling him Paul. And, and, and so another thing we learned on this trip was about Paul's incredible perseverance. He, he had some kind of affliction. Uh, it's not clear in the writings what that affliction was. But in spite of that affliction, Paul just kept on going. Paul and Barnabas traveled for roughly a year and covered about 1,600 miles. And that was mainly walking. Now you think about 1,600 miles, that's, that's a lot of miles to be walking. So let's consider this, this question. Paul's conversion happened, when, like I say, when he was about 35, and he spent about 10 years just kind of growing and being prepared by the Spirit. Have you experienced a time of preparation that you really weren't, didn't know you were being prepared, but there was this period of time where you were growing and becoming ready to do something? And then <clears throat> the, the next question or tag on to that is, Paul didn't start on his first big missionary journey until he was 50 years old, um, but it was during that, that big, that big journey, that big ad adventure, big experience, I'm not sure what to call it, that, that big time that he blossomed. He was, he was challenged and he grew. And so the question for us is, how have we experienced a life-changing growth in a time of challenge? I think most of us would just soon not be challenged, but when we are, that's when we grow. Now, Paul shaped the theology of the Christian church more than anyone else other than Jesus. And one of the areas where Paul was so influential was in the area of how we view sin. Now, sin is an interesting word. We don't use it much in our everyday language. Now, I think most of us, I know I did before I got studying, uh, think of sin as just some, doing something bad. You, you hit somebody, you hurt somebody, um, that's a sin. Um, and that is true, I suppose. There's, there's validity to that. Um, but a more accurate view of sin from a, from a biblical standpoint would be to describe it as turning away from God or acting in a way that goes against God's desire for our lives. And so God sees something that starts in our hearts so God speaks to our hearts. God, God knows that where our hearts are, that's where the rest of us goes. I like to joke. I, I'm a dog lover, and I, I have a I have a hunting dog, and uh, she has a a pretty good nose. And and I've made the joke that you know wherever her nose points, that's where the rest of the dog goes. You know, it's, um, that's kind of like how God views our heart. Where our heart is is where. Our thoughts go where our attention goes and and so having thoughts in our heart 
may or may not lead to doing something bad, but it is it is something that we're thinking about. And so from God's viewpoint, thinking about that is is a sin. It's going against how God wants us to live our lives. Now, one interesting uh, uh, insight that Adam Hamilton shared in his book was that Paul describes sin as an orientation. Um, it's an inclination to stray away from God's will for our life. It's a way of life. So it's, it's not an action. It's not like, did I hurt somebody or did I not hurt somebody? It's that way of life where we're inclined to go away from God's will for our lives. And when we go away from God's will for our lives, that leads to loneliness and all the problems that we face today in our world. An entire sermon series could be written on Paul's insights on sin, and we clearly don't have time for that today. But Paul did see Jesus as the Savior who came to save us from our sin, from our orientation to stray away from God. Mm -hmm. And back in time, God made a covenant or a, or a formal agreement with Moses that culminated, ended up in the Ten Commandments, and then there was another 600 laws and rules and regulations. And the, the agreement was, if we kept all of those, that we would be right with God, that, that we would be saved, if you want to use that word. But the truth is, we as humans are totally incapable of following all those laws. Um, some of us are totally incapable of remembering all those laws, right? And if we look at our daily news, um, we'll confirm that the world is not capable of following those rules. Um, so Paul saw Jesus as bringing a new covenant. Adam Hamilton points out that, that what we learn from Paul is that when we place our trust in Jesus, that we are made, he uses the language, good and right and whole in the eyes of God. And, and that's an interesting phrase. Yeah, we fall short, right? We make mistakes. We're not capable of being good all the time. But our trust in Jesus then makes us forgiven in the sight of God and makes us good and right and whole. And I think that's a powerful and comforting thought, especially in today's world. You know, in today's world, we're constantly tossed around by worldly events, whether it's the pandemic or the wars or whether financial issues, certainly in these days. I think we all have a need to feel the comforting embrace of Jesus. We, we need to have that feeling of being good and right and whole in the most important person in the world and in our lives, and that is our God. And so let's just take just a moment and, and consider these questions. How does your concept of sin compare or contrast to Paul? And then an easy question, how about this one? How does it make you feel when Jesus offers to make you good and right and whole with God? And it's for free. I'd like to close this morning with a few thoughts on how Paul shaped the Christian church. Now, Paul was not just an effective evangelist in terms of going and spreading the word. 
he was a an incredibly strong organizer so in each city that he went to spread the word you know he organized groups of worshipers and then he identified leaders to help guide the those worshipers and it was the formation of those churches or groups of worshipers that give God's church throughout the world real power and real influence. You know, each of us can be with God by ourselves. We can experience God by ourselves. We can worship God by ourselves. But it, it, it is in participating with a group that our influence with the world around us is multiplied. And then the church is a support group for those of us that have weak moments. We all slip. And so, or have moments of doubt. And, and so when we're with others who, who love Jesus, then, then we can help each other in those times. And it is true, I believe, that when we're by ourselves, Satan has an easy target. He, he promotes our doubts. He, he takes away our confidence. He makes us feel alone and insecure. And Adam Hamilton points out that that not only that but he feels the presence and the call of God most often when he is in worship with others you know when he is in that group and sure there's other times that that he feels the call of God the voice of God and, and likewise ourselves and then Jesus does say that when two or more of us are gathered in his name there he is also there's just something special about gathering with others in Jesus name and one of the things that Adam Hamilton pointed out was that there, there are many, many people today that no longer feel the need to worship together. I, I talk to many people that, that indicate that they're spiritual and they believe in God and, and they love God and they thank God for a beautiful sunrise or sunset. But there's something lost both for us as individuals and for God's church when we don't gather together in, wor in worship, that we don't multiply our influence in the world, that we don't support one another in those weak moments. So let's consider these, these couple questions. One of Paul's accomplishments was to organize churches and church organizations. Yet many people feel that attending church is not necessary or meaningful. Where do you experience God the most? Well, I hope that, that you found this, this brief summary of Paul's early life to be helpful. If you'd like more information, please reach out. You know, you can put a, a, a note in the, in a comment uh, box, a chat box. I'm not, I'm not clever enough to react to it during this recording. Um, but I will, I will respond. Or you can call or text me at 517-588-8415 or the Calmo Connection Card at calmochurch.org forward slash connect dash with dash Calamo. Any way that, that we can help you grow in your understanding of God or Paul, you know, we, we, would, we would pray that we could be that helpful hand for you. I'm your neighbor, Jerry, pastor at Calamo Church, have a great day. Have a great week. Have a great holiday weekend. And bye for now.